Welcome to the Sober Vibes Podcast. I'm your host, Courtney Anderson. I decided to end my decade-long love affair with alcohol in 2012 at 29 years old. I chose to live openly as a recovering alcoholic with honesty and humor while figuring it out one day at a time. This space will bring you weekly episodes of my own personal experiences with my addiction and sobriety, as well as me interviewing incredible souls who are living life without drugs and alcohol. This podcast is here to inspire you, empower you, uplift you, and bring you some laughter along the way in your own journey. Sit back, relax, and let's have a time. podcast is brought to you by my Sober Vibes coaching program. You don't have to walk this journey alone. When you work with me, you'll get personalized one-on-one support and accountability. You will have your own sobriety coach in your back pocket at all times. I was on the shame, guilt, hangover, anxiety-running roller coaster for a decade when it came to my addiction with alcohol. Then I learned that I deserve to feel loved and be loved and that anything is possible in sobriety. I know right now it sounds like a pipe dream, but it's possible for you too. Just imagine how you will feel when you have someone rooting you on 24-7, have tools in place that when you get an urge to drink, you know exactly what to do to not drink. Know how to eat well, understand how exercise affects your sobriety and healthy things you can do to make movement a regular part of your day without feeling overwhelmed or obligated. Have money to knock some things off your bucket list since you're no longer spending it on alcohol. Pay off the debt that's been adding up. I mean, think about it. Think $50 to $100 a week that you were spending on alcohol, what you now can spend it on. Get that promotion at work or make that job change you've always dreamed of. Enjoy an intimate relationship with your partner. Enjoy parties, celebrations, and get-togethers alcohol-free while still having a good time. And live a life that's fun and that you absolutely love living. You were meant to thrive, not just survive. I'm proof that you can live a life with alcohol and thrive. You don't have to be bored, it doesn't have to feel hard, and it doesn't have to be a struggle each and every day. Visit CourtneyRecovered.com Work With Me page to sign up for your one-on-one freedom consult call and learn more. Hey everyone, welcome to Living on the L-Edge, season two. Hey sister. Season dose. Season Dose. This is the first episode of a show within a show for season two, and I'm quite pumped. You know, fun to connect. I mean, we connect every day, but. Is this going to be episode one, season two? No, this is episode three. Fuck you, Courtney. Just kidding. Living on the Edge is the third episode. Third episode. Every third episode. Every third episode. It's us. It's us. UJ, what have you been doing? Tell the good people of the world. What, what's it been? Two months? Yeah. Uh, I have been working and I just went and took myself on a nice little holiday to South Beach, Florida because I needed some sun because I was starting to get a little antsy. The walls were closing in. So I needed some fresh air and mm-hmm. I need a little sun, vitamin D. We live in Detroit, Michigan. So it's no bullshit out here, y'all. There is no sun. Although today the sun is shining. It's beautiful outside, but our winters are long. So I was never like a believer in like seasonal depression because I never really paid attention to my shit, but it's definitely a vibe. So 
I had to go. And I'm blessed that I'm a free woman. You know, I just have a little French bulldog at home so I can do whatever I would like. So I caught a flight. Yeah. Well, I mean, and this has been a very, very long winter in Michigan, I would say. It's just 2021 just started. But like, I'm just saying with the winter weather here in pure Michigan, it's been a hard one. Yeah. With the gray days, a lot Mm -hmm. of snow. So, Mm -hmm. so yeah, sad's a thing. Yeah. So I just been vibing, working, hanging out with Drek. In February, I was a little bit lax with my workout regimen. So I'm, I'm back on it. Y'all, my sister has me on a three day uh, detox right now and I'm on day two and I just had to eat a clementine to get some strength for this podcast. Cause I have a headache, right? Good she's not night. eating the fruit and she's supposed to. So <laughs> I just told her to grab a, a clementine to get her, her strength up. And I'm detoxing coffee right now because I drink an obscene amount of coffee. So I haven't had coffee in, I didn't have any yesterday and I haven't had any yet today. So I'm going through it y'all. So this hour will definitely help me. Yeah. And in the, on episode one of this season, I did talk about how, you know, sometimes the whole, your new year's resolutions, your goals for the year that, you know, you can kick it off really strong those first couple of weeks and then fall. And then that's just where you got to pick yourself back up and give yourself some grace. I do want to say though, adding on to that episode that that goes for anything. That's just not, and I don't think I said that in that episode, but you, with anything, I mean, even if, if your goals were to spend more time with your husband or significant other, or, you know, not get so pissed off at your kids and that hasn't happened, press pause and readjust. Yeah, because you can pick back up whenever, just if you fall off and it's some resolution or whatever, it doesn't mean you failed. Yeah. Like, just keep going, pick it up and try again. When you stop trying is when you fail, to be quite honest, how I feel about it. So here we are out here just trying, y'all. Fuck it. Fuck it. Well, I mean, but I don't think that I added in that episode about other goals. So I just don't want it all to be about not drinking and health and fitness, but you know, as I explained to a girlfriend, like the body image issue will always be a work in progress for me. Always. You know what? I have the same thing. And yeah. we've talked about it and growing up with our mom and the business that she was with the diet culture in the eighties and nineties. So we're all fucked up over that, but yeah, but even to in our generation of what was exposed to us in even just in media of what skinny was. I mean, it wasn't until like this last okay. decade that the whole body positive uh, movement and these brands getting with what the fuck is real. So that's yeah. 30 years. They started a conversation and what's really going on out here on the streets. Yeah. And for women and men who are older than us, I mean, that's even longer than like you know, then getting it from the fucking greatest generation too of those house moms, housewives that were keeping it tight. Slim. Slim. <laughs> little. Yeah, just little things. They were little things and didn't fuck around. But they did not fuck around. You know, so so yeah, I just wanted to add that in there. All right. So you had a nice little break, went to Miami. I'm very upset mm-hmm. that there was no gift store in in that museum. But oh yeah. Uh- well, I will say this, just to backtrack, because I did have a point in my brain today. 
for me personally, I was out there on the beach, like really like I was feeling a little self-conscious coming from Michigan, like going to South Beach. You have this like image in your head that you think you're going to thank God for the border shutdowns because there weren't a bunch of sexy Brazilians running around like good God. But people were out there living. You had all different shapes and sizes. No one was judging. Everyone was vibing. No one gave a fuck. I saw probably a 300 pound woman in a G string and it was dope. She was out there living, having the best time and just did not give a fuck. So I found myself, I took off my caftan and I just let my freak flag fly. I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I got a little cellulite on the back of my legs. I got, I've done so so much work with my body. I'm done being so hard on myself. Mm -hmm. I really had that realization. And I just like, plunged into the water like a goddamn midwestern mermaid like did not give a shit and i was actually very freeing because i was just like looking around it's like we're our own worst enemy nobody cares Mm -hmm. nobody cares like it's okay and if people do care and want to be haters and dissect you down because you don't have a perfect body because there is no such thing fuck them so it was actually it was really good for me i had a moment on the beach i did so I'm done with all that nonsense of just like dissecting every single thing on my body. It's a, it's a wrap for me. Yeah, it's, it gets draining, but it's just, that's why it's just always like if, if you want to feel a certain way, it is work. And feeling a certain way becomes how you look a certain way from the yeah, inside. It tra- yeah, it translates through your personality and through everything. So and if you feel good, you're going to exude that energy. So, you know. It, it just, it doesn't matter. And then I found myself like kind of bummed on myself. Cause I've been like, you know, sometimes some of this shit that I think it's like, it's petty. It doesn't matter. So mm-hmm. it was a good moment. You know, I just want to be healthy and I don't need to be like certain size. I don't want to be a weight that would be alarming to a doctor. I want to be where I feel great. And I'm done just being so like hard on myself and caring so much. So yeah, totally. I've decided uh- that fuck it. I mean, that's all we can do, right? Just... Yeah, I don't have time for all that now. I have other shit to do. Yes. So we had a question from a listener. So I really, really appreciate it. Well, I don't know if it's a question more or less than our opinion of this topic. And I think it's a great topic. And her question was, when you hit a wall in recovery, overcoming slumps when pink cloud wears off. So I'm guessing that's a what do you do? What do you do and how do you handle that? And so pink cloud for somebody who's listening who doesn't know what that term means, would you like to explain like that term in recovery? Yeah, I mean, it's usually and I didn't have it. I didn't either. <laughs> I did not have that fucking pink, pink cloud ever, ever, ever. Uh, it's a great time, though. <laughs> it really does. You know, I mean, I've had jealousy of people with the pink cloud and the way they describe it. Like, God damn, I was like the fucking... Schmeagle, crusty little thing from Lord of the Rings. That's how I felt the first two years of my sobriety. <laughs> oh shit! So scared. I felt no. You know what I felt like? I felt like Matthew McConaughey. And what? My sister called me Matthew McConaughey the other day because I had my, oh my hair air drying. Sorry, this is going left real quick, but that's what like that's how I felt with his hair, with like his his COVID hair. But we still love him. Oh, big ups to Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, you look like a straight dude. I had to stop. I was in the middle of a story. And then I just looked at my sister on FaceTime because that's how we do is FaceTime. I was like, fucking excuse yourself, Matthew McConaughey. Good God. 
Yeah, like you guys, my hair was like, I like brushed it back and it was air drying and then I had my glasses on. So anyways, it was gross because then I had to double look at myself. I was like, oh my God. So going back to this, so the pink cloud, I, how I would describe this is like just a sense of maybe euphoria. A sense of bit, yeah, like happier than a pig and shit. You're, you're not drinking, you're feeling good, all of that's coming to the surface. It's like this euphoric feeling that happens early on in recovery and sobriety. And I think that probably equates to like your body's detoxing. So you're mm-hmm. actually starting to like feel. Yeah. You've set out a goal and you're doing something that you've tried so hard for for so long. So you're just like in it, you know, and everything's just like great. You can see things like things are kind of clearer and you're not so fogged, but you're just like kind of like riding this wave and like going up, up, up and up. Yeah. But I did not experience that. So kudos. Right. I mean, you were in prison. So <laughs> I was, yeah, like I was detoxing so my your home. <laughs> I was in prison in, in my own home in the guest bedroom for five days because Matthew was not happy. So, and I could not lift my head off that pillow. So, so yeah, we didn't experience that. So my thing for anybody who is wondering when that wears off, what do you do? And my answer is going to be this is like, you got to keep going. And you have to find more natural approaches that is going to boost that serotonin level in your head to make you feel better, such as going on a 30 minute walk outside. You don't need to overcomplicate it more than anything, like, because it's just, you you have to now naturally do that for yourself. And there's, there's ways to do that. Gratitude, living in the gratitude, even if it's just writing out for four things that you're grateful for every day, because that starts putting, uh, checking your mindset in the state that you're living in. Yeah. And I can imagine, I can imagine riding that uh, wave and that pink cloud being in that that being your reality. So I would definitely think when that pink cloud wears off, you know, if you're in the program, call your sponsor, check in, maybe up your meetings. If you're not in the program and taking a different route, you know, support group, your parents, your friends, anybody who supports your sobriety. But I would definitely, definitely check in with yourself a little more when that when you're starting to feel like a little shaky and just really focus on staying sober for that day, you know, and maybe take it back to the basics of one day at a time and not over because like you're hyper vigilant when you're riding that peak. Mm -hmm. So don't try to do all of the things because it's definitely like. I, th- I think that that pink cloud wearing off is your body just like letting you know, like, all right, it's time to check in again. And you need a little more care. And I've, I've definitely heard people in recovery trying to do like off the jump, all of the things mm-hmm. I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna yep. do this. And like, that's fine and good. But you're just like really overcompensating for like, and not healing yourself with all the trauma that you put your body through, that you put relationships through, that you put your mind through, that really, at the end of the day, you put your soul through. So you can do all of the things, but really, I feel like tending to yourself and checking in with yourself, and that's going to get you through that wall. And really, the term, I think that it's used, it's overused, but really, like, self-care is needed when you are an addict. And not even newly in sobriety or like however many years, whatever, just like 
you constantly have to be checking in with yourself and doing things that, that are needed, you know, drinking tons of water, whatever, whatever you need to do that's healthy for you do. So that would be my advice when that pink cloud wears off and just, and sit, you don't need to jump from one thing to another, to another. And that's what I see a lot of people doing. And it's like, it's, that means to me, you're not comfortable with yourself and just being able to sit down. And if you just can't sit your whole ass down, there's a problem. There is a problem. There's a problem. Yeah. Even if your mind is like racing on that pink cloud, like, and if you can't get through a book, read a page a day. If you have to go back and read, reread it. Like everything will be okay. Music, podcasts, things where at least you can sit and be still, you know, because addicts run for a long time or always running, moving in a shake and lying, manipulating. You're here, you're there. You're trying to hustle money. You're trying to salvage relationships. You're trying to mend shit where you piss someone off. You're trying to, you're trying to remember all the lies. Like it's very fucking exhausting. Mm -hmm. So you just need to sit and vibe and like, reintroduce yourself to yourself, to be quite honest. Yeah. And that goes back to with the question that she had asked, like as well as, and I did an episode of this on season one called recovery burnout. And that's, you can't do all the things at once in your first couple months of sobriety. If all you can do is fucking nap, nap, man, like you got, you got to rest your butt and, and recuperate it from all the damage that you put it through. But yeah, I mean, the cycle of running away and all of that, it's a cycle. It takes a long time. Uh-huh. I mean, my my sleep, I'm an insomniac. I cannot sleep for not. I've been this way since I'm a kid, but definitely 20 years of abusing uppers, I cannot sleep. And it takes, has it gotten a little bit better? Absolutely. Everyone's like, try this, try that. I've tried all the things, all of the things. And really what it comes down to is me just and, and healing and still healing. You mm-hmm. can't abuse your body for so long and just expect like, well, I've been sober six months. Nothing's changed. Like, whoa, well, a lot's changed. You're sober, but it takes time because the abuse that you put on your body physically, mentally, and like just a constant state of chaos that takes years for some people to heal. Yeah. And that's where my sister and I talk more is to the the addicts and the alcoholics, then, you know, I I mean, I just, I, that's what we were. So I don't know this world of like gray area drinking or, you know, just having to quit alcohol just for health reasons. Like weaver chip bags, bags, weaver chip bags. (laughs) I was a fucking garbage fail kid. Oh man. God, I wish I would have had a picture of you in that garbage can. It was like not even real life. That would have been like a good comedy skit. Good God. <laughs> Maybe that's what you should do with this right out fucking shit that you've done in comedy sketch. <laughs> Make my own channel. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I would subscribe to that and watch it. I would pay the monthly service fee. Oh, man. So, I mean, I, that was good advice because it's true. Yeah, man. This shit is not for the week. It is hard. So, and also give yourself credit. Like you got to be your own champion. No one's going to, nobody's going to do it for you at all. So you got to do it. And that's hard. It's hard to look at yourself because it's like where you're at in your life. It's like bad shit happens. Bad shit happens to people every day. We are victims of circumstance, you know, but like that victim mentality, it's got to stop. It definitely has to stop. I found myself in that 
for a while, you know, and like always telling people I'm fine and strong and independent and good. But like, if you need some help, people, when you tell people for so many years that you're good, people will stop checking on you because they think you're good. So you, if you need some help out there, if you've been sober six years and you're not feeling it one day and you need some help, there is no shame on that. People aren't going to question your sobriety. Like, don't ever feel that. Just be like, I'm not having a good fucking day. And it is what it is. Like, you definitely got to not worry about what anyone thinks and just really hone in on yourself. And if you need, if you need some extra support, ask for it. It's there. You can ask for it from a stranger, pretty much like just having a conversation. Like people are out there. Not everybody is a sociopath. (laughs) There's some good fucking people out there. So like there's resources. If you ever need to hit me up on my line, I'm here. Talk to me. Talk to my sister. We don't yeah. do shit. I'm sick of talking to Courtney. One of you guys hit me up in my DM and Instagram. Mademoiselle Kimberly, I'll talk to you. Yeah. Whatever you need. The Ellie sisters are here. She's sick of looking at me resembling Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> looking at my dude sister on FaceTime, please, with yourself. Good night. I've never seen anything like it a day in my fucking life. I thought I called somebody else. Oh, man, I turned into quarantine Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> I thought I called an old plug. I was like, what? Oh my god! Oh god! Quarantine, quarantine, Corey. <laughs> Not quarantine, Courtney. That was the that was the low point for me this year. All right, so we hope that helps, guys. Uh, yeah, I mean, all you can do is try and just strive to be better. That's it. But and that's and reaching for help. I think and people have to understand. People relapse it fucking every year. So when I say every year, there's people who relapse at ten years, twenty years. 15 years, five years, three years, like all of it. So nobody is safe from it, you know, because it's all a situation of of what's happening during that year and and what's going on in your life and how you're feeling and all of that. So it is a continuous work in progress. Well, and I'd like to take the shame out of relapsing, not condoning it at all, but there's no shame in it. I would watch, please, AAers do not knock me. I, I respect the program, but I would watch people have to come into these rooms or an NA and they would come in with their head down and, you know, like there was definitely like support, but they felt shame and having to admit and then get their 24 hour chip. And it's like, you know, obviously like you're disappointed and stuff, but like, just like the, the whole parade of it, I was just like, man, this is like, it's, uh, it would make me feel bad. I'm like, Jesus. So there is no shame in relapsing. All you have to do is pick yourself up and try again and do better and learn from your mistake. And whatever feeling you were in at that moment that had you go reach for whatever your drug of choice, drink of choice, whatever, just remember that feeling next time. And it's a thought process and take yourself out of it. Mm-hmm. You know, you just got to retrain your, your brain because addiction is a thinking disease. So it's intense, man. You know, and I would say with that pink wall, when you hit a wall in recovery, remember your lowest, remember your lowest, never forget your lowest. And in that moment, how you felt and what your life situation was and with all the work that you've done to get there, just think of like, even if it's like two, three months, how far you've come in two, three months to where you were at. Cause like, it can't get any worse than that. Yeah. So you got to stay connected to that. Why every day, man, you really do. Cause like. It'll remind you. It'll put your ass right back in check. Like, oh, fuck. So, yeah, yeah there, 
there's lots of things. So I hope that helped from the Elledge sisters. I don't know. Yeah. That was and a good question though. It was a good question. And to, you know, I got guff on this last in 2020 for a post I did on, on sober vibes saying that relapse is part of the journey. And it is, you got to look at the statistically 80% of people relapse who enter the world of recovery. They 80% and that's people too, like going into rehabs and getting that medical help in the rehab facilities and being in that and paying money for that. I mean, people leave rehabs all the time and relapse. So people have been to rehab like 10, 12 times, like more, like what was the guff about that? You said that relapse was part of the I said relapse is part of the journey. And then I explained statistically, because, you know, I'm a numbers freak, like it's. She fucking is. Jesus Christ. She'll throw these stats at me. I'm like, Jesus Christ. Rain man over here. Killing it. Fuck. Yeah. So so 80% of people relapse. And like I explained this in this post and people got pissed. They're like, it doesn't have to be. And that's where that judgment bullshit comes from, where it's like, whether you're sitting in in a room or not, you can't think that way because not everybody is fucking like you. Yeah. And I, I have a real hard time not giving somebody another chance or like believing in people because like, like I said, life happens every day and it is what you do from that experience, you know? So like, yeah, it doesn't have to be sure, of course, but like, if it does happen, it's how you move after it is. And we are not condoning relapses, you know, people like Courtney and I get some guff here for some shade with things like we say, we're not medical doctor. This is our perspective. This is what I think, what my sister thinks, how she um, expresses her thoughts. So, you know, but if it does happen, if pick yourself up and keep it moving, like everything will be okay. And just know that life's better and your quality of life will be better than the way you were previously living. That's it. There doesn't have to be all this fucking goddamn haters, man. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Well, that's it's life. Yeah. And that's the judgment on that, that person. If, if you're getting, if you're getting hated on from somebody, that's their issue. And that's too, it's not being a very empathetic, compassionate person because it can happen to anybody. Just like we've learned this past year of anyone can get this COVID virus. Big facts. Facts. I mean, nobody's safe from it. You know what I mean? And it's just like, that's, that's, that might've been a terrible comparison, but you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, so, but I'm just saying like, it's not, nobody is let go. No. And in the, you know, and in the recovery community, you have a lot of different styles and you'll meet a lot of interesting personalities. A lot of people are very passionate. I'm very passionate. If you're in recovery, you're obviously passionate about it, but you know, my friend told me this saying, she said, cause you get a lot of people who are like, I'm 20 years sober, blah, blah, blah. I'm like trying to spit. And I will listen because I take, I'll listen to anybody because somebody has a story to tell and you can take insight from anyone. I've listened to people on the street homeless and they're like, they've hit me with some isms where I'm like, shit, like that was awesome. You know? So like definitely in sobriety in the recovery community, you gotta, you gotta find your tribe because and people who are like-minded like you, because all of us addicts, we're all sick. So sometimes if somebody's 20 years sober, they might not be healthy. It does uh-huh. not mean, it does not mean shit. If you're 20 years sober and you're 
communicating to me in a very dry, drunk manner and you're toxic and you're shit, like I shut down. Like you're mm-hmm. not going to tell me shit. I don't care. Like now red flags are going up and you've lost me. So you really have to be pay attention to people who are trying to get you on their program and like dictate to you how you're doing your sobriety journey. Cause I get pissed when I watch these people like trying to, cause I listen, I know I talk a lot and talk a lot of shit, but I really do sit back and listen. And I watch, I've dealt with people my whole life. And in my profession, I've dealt with people like that's all I fucking do. So you just got to find your trap and who suits you. What I say, the saying I heard is the most sober person in the room with the most sobriety is the person who got up the earliest. Mm-hmm. That's it. Each day is a blessing day to day. It is one day at a time, but you know, you got to be careful with people when you're newly in sobriety and you just got to watch out for toxic people. And like, that's, I'm not going to go too much farther in it. And just don't allow somebody to dictate your sobriety journey. If you're going to bed sober every night, kudos to you. However you got there, you're working the program, you're work, you're doing a, a healing journey. You're doing, you're working with a doctor, you went to rehab, you're you know, working with your family, however it works for you. I don't give a fuck. I'm proud of you. It does not matter. So, but I mean, yeah, even if you're not doing any of those things currently or working with anybody and you're just white knuckling it, you're white knuckling it. And that's okay too. Then that goes back to how you wake up sober, you go to bed sober. I'm proud of you. You know, you will find your way and there is help out there. So there's resources and help and um, there this recovery community, it's getting broader and there's definitely more literature. There's tons more studies. There's more approaches there. There's just so much out there now where yeah. you can really find a great network. Yeah, so totally. Even dipping in and listening to the Sober Vibes podcast, you know, that might give you a little insight and just, you know, like, yeah, I'm doing it. Yeah. I'm fucking doing it. So thank you for listening to this episode on Living on the Edge Season 2. We made it another season. We did it. We're here. And I will link resources too that I have, workshops, 30 Days Sober, Not Boring Calendar, uh, down in the show notes, connect with Kimmy on Instagram. What's your title again? What's your title? Or your your name? My handle? Yeah, your handle. Mademoiselle Kimberly. Yes. And make sure if you're listening to the podcast to share some love on Instagram and tag us. We love that shit. Seriously. But thank you. Thanks for another great episode and keep on trucking, everybody. All right. Y'all be good out there. Catch in three weeks. Three weeks. (laughs) 